Welcome to the 13th season of Delving Into Dance. This is a special season made in collaboration with the Australian Ballet to profile some of Australia's leading choreographers and dance companies who are part of the Dance X program, taking place in Melbourne between the 20th of October and the 1st of November, 2022. In this episode, I speak to Alice Topp, resident choreographer with the Australian Ballet. I started by asking, where did dance start? Um, well, I started dancing when I was four because my mum had, she'd done some dancing when she was younger. Um, she auditioned for the Australian Ballet School but didn't get in and uh, I guess at that point in time there weren't many full-time ballet schools. So she kind of went into musicals and musical theatre for a little bit. And when I was four, she had a little school where she taught friends from from primary school and local kids in the neighbourhood. And it was called Movement to Music Classes. And uh, she had, you know, ribbons and costumes and parasols and props. And it was more just less about ballet class and more about just, you know, um, having fun and expressing, you know, yourself to music. And that really was when I got the bug, I guess when I was four (laughs) Um, and I stopped for a couple of years and did horse riding and gym and returned to dance when I was eight yeah and I haven't stopped since so 30 years (laughs) what what is it that you feel like when you're dancing like what is that sensation look I think initially when I was young it was really about finding a place to put my emotions and energy and um, you know as a kid trying to make sense of the world when you're growing up and for me dance and music I guess really was a place where I felt I could express myself when I didn't have the vocabulary or the words or the understanding you know and ever since then it's really been kind of how I make sense of the world you know it's very much art therapy for me um, choreographing and 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 dancing to music is where I can you know find myself and and find my voice when you know I'm feeling you know lost or um, I guess regardless of what's happening in life you know uh, you can I know I can always return to dance and there's a sense of home and a safe space where I can pour all my emotions into and feel like uh, I can get it out you know it's that kind of feeling of people who love sport or swimming the adrenaline and it's the adrenaline mix along with art you know and I can't quite describe it very well but that's why I'm a dancer you know other than an author or um, you know a painter for me it's where it sits in the body and I can really find that place where I can channel you know that feeling. I really truly believe dance is universal you know for for many years it's it's always been um, something you do at weddings at, at discos at balls in every language you know every country dances it, it can be a form of celebration um, it's in you know many ceremonies and I think I really think that everybody should be able to find a connection with movement to music you know music itself people who love bands you know it's it's going to to a gig and being in an a, a crowd or an audience with other people sharing that energy 
and that collective spirit and moving your body, you know, feeling the bass in, in your body. And I think, you know, music is, is absolutely um, where it starts. I think for everyone it has a connection to music, whatever genre you love. Um, but, you know, with ballet... I think uh, it's very stylized. It's it's a it's a discipline that some people might not be able to connect with as easily as other forms of dance. I think um, you know it, it's very structured. It is uh, usually you know people associate ballet with tiaras and tutus and tulle and fairies and whatnot, which you know I think. Um, that can also aid a bit of disconnect because it's otherworldly and it's not necessarily the, the, the climate we're living in with, you know, all this current chaos and, um, you know, there's political instability and, and then next minute you feel like going to the ballet and watching Sleeping Beauty or Cinderella or like the Nutcracker can feel um, not as relatable. Uh, I think there's a lot of people that love going to it for that reason because it is otherworldly, that it does take you out of the you know the darkness of the everyday and and the um you know the the grind i guess and it, it you can have that element of escapism and and um we can sort of transport you to another world uh but i guess for a lot of people you know, ballet is still very much an evolving, de uh, developing language. I think people think it was probably stuck in, in a time and hasn't progressed. But, you know, modern ballet is um, very challenging and arresting and, and it's finding new ways of working with an old structure, you know, and I think people probably have an idea of what they think it is and, um, you know, probably aren't as open to understanding that, you know, like any art form, like painting, like writing, we are a, a living, breathing language and we are, that vocabulary is constantly developing. Um, so, you know, I think a lot of people, everyone in the world should be able to connect with that um, love for, you know, where music sits in the body and the desire to... Um, you know, to move as, as uh, you hear music as a celebration and um, or, or for whatever reason, you know, the music is being played. Um, but, yeah, I think ballet itself, there's probably a little disconnect, um, I think, with the younger generation, you know, where, where there's a lot of contemporary dance and modern dance and, um, you know, where does that leave ballet in the mix of, you know, stories that are current and relatable? Yeah, and there is that sense, I guess, for some people it's around escaping and for others it's like some sort of other stimulus or some way of thinking about the world differently. So maybe there's a bit of a disconnect there as to why people, you know, would buy a ticket. Well, it's interesting, I think, particularly after the time we've had away from being in a theatre um, due to COVID, there's definitely something about experiencing art uh, unfolding on stage and being in a space where an orchestra is playing and it's flooding the auditorium and you're sitting next to strangers that you do not know who are there cherishing what is unfolding in front of their eyes you know and and that collective energy shared in a space is something so precious you know we all watched uh recordings and digital seasons during COVID but really there's nothing like being in a theatre and seeing 
the curtain go up, having the orchestra tune, you know, and I think uh, the ballet, you know, it, getting everyone back into that space is definitely something to for e- everyone to witness at some point in their lives, you know? Yeah, there's something really special about it. Uh, you, you danced for Australian ballet for a really long time and then kind of like moved into choreography. And I'm just wondering if you could talk a little bit about, you know, where the interest in choreography or that kind of transition from ballet started to occur. Yeah. Look, it was really interesting. I had never really thought about pursuing choreography as as a career. Um, I sort of chanced upon the opportunity really with the body talk season uh, due to uh, artistic director of the time, David McAllister and Nicolette Freyon, who um, were one choreographer down because uh, the other female who was creating that season pulled out. So they hadn't had a female choreographer for a while and Nicolette um, thought that I might be someone that would sort of take a chance on it and put my hand up and sort of, you know, um, have a crack really. And it was uh, sort of something that I, I thought, well, you know, I've spent time outside of the dance industry trying to break into, you know, the dance industry. I um, I was at one point injured and, and struggling to get work again and was working in hospitality. And I knew so many independent dancers trying to get a platform to create and to have space and studios and dancers to work with and were applying for funding and just how difficult that was, you know. And here I was, I'd been given this opportunity to choreograph um, for a main stage, you know, season at Sydney Theatre and have, you know, the most incredible palette of artists to work with and the support of the company, um, you know, nurturing my voice. And for me, what was really incredible was just the... um, the opportunity uh, came up and I I said yes and I never really thought it would be um, as not only as fulfilling and uh, inspiring as it was but that, you know, I'd find myself in this position now where that opportunity of just having a go and, and taking a risk and taking a chance um, would lead to where I am now, you know, it was... It was an incredible experience. I created on two very dear friends and, and collaborated with some wonderful musicians and designers and that was really the moment that sort of clicked for me. Everything kind of fell in, into um, into shape for me. It was definitely having the opportunity to sort of um, discover my voice with other creatives and collaborate with them, you know, up until then, I didn't really know what I sounded like. You know, you get delivered a lot of information and directed, um, you know, Swan Lake and, and Don Q and all the beautiful ballets um, are already notated and done. And you get fed that information and then you find yourself within the context of that story, you know. And having been in the core most of my career, it was never really about how I interpreted that. It was how it was done, you know, and, and filling sort of those shoes. And quite often 
um, you know, it felt because the Corrie had been created 100 years ago, it felt like putting on someone else's suit and trying to fit into it. Um, but it was quite ill-fitting on me. And only really in the choreographic seasons did I feel like I could be unapologetically myself because someone had chosen me and had cast me and wanted to work with my strengths and develop work based and designed on what I had to offer. And so when I had the opportunity to create and collaborate, it was, well, what am I going to do? I don't know how I sound. I don't know how I feel. Um, so it was a really beautiful journey of discovering, um, you know, uh, sort of a, an extension of my dance voice through a different kind of channel. You know, I was able to think about how I wanted to felt, you know, feel and, and um, how that would look on the body and what shapes reflected that for me, you know, um, and then also discover what that looked like on other bodies. So rather than saying, do this because this step is my favourite step and I want you doing my favourite step, it was about finding, you know, their strengths and really injecting their voice into the work, into the fabric of the work. So Every process has been a really unique experience ever since because I've had the, the great opportunity of working with a whole new, you know, um, group of dancers each time and, and it's always exciting. <laughs> it's always thrilling. Is there like a, a process that you kind of follow or has something emerged or is every kind of time you kind of encounter a new project, is it a bit different? How do you approach that? Yeah, look, every piece is different and I've I've said every time I've created, you know, with other works I've done, if I had a different group of dancers, it would have looked like a completely different work. Um, my process is very heavily collaborative. You know, I, I really feel like it's a co-creation and that the dancers have co-ownership over the work. I think, you know, it's a real, for me, privilege to have the opportunity to work with, you know, such extraordinary artists and find who they are in a work and give them the opportunity to have their voice seen and heard outside, you know, the context of a, a role. Um, quite often when we're on stage, we're acting a role, which is wonderful. Like we were talking about that escapism and it's so exciting putting a wig on and this wonderful, you know, opulent costume and feeling like a princess, you know. But um, there's something really... I guess, vulnerable and liberating and powerful about saying to a dancer, I just, I just want you on stage. I don't want anything else. You know, I just sort of want to amplify your innate voice and celebrate that and, and those, you know, idiosyncrasies and what it is that makes you. And so each work takes on a different feel. And I guess, you know, every time I start a new work, I start with the concept I start with the music and the set designs and talking to, you know, my collaborators and creative team. You know, I'll have the sets and costumes and music and um, all of that kind of forming a language before I even get into the studio. So I, I have a sense of what I'm saying and thematically, you know, where it's going to go. But stepwise, you know, it's really, it unfolds in the studio. It could go in any direction. Um, 
And that's what I love is being surprised as well during the process of, oh, I didn't expect it to go there, you know, and having that injection of the voices of the people that you're working with because, you know, they have incredible ideas that they don't often get to share either and, you know, seeing the way they interpret the music and talking about our experiences together, it's a very um, safe space to share ideas and sort of come together over a concept and, and share experiences and how we can bring, you know, that to life through this collaboration. It's quite unusual, I guess, for a lot of people who are working in a ballet company to come into a process and have their voice in the room or to be able to collaborate in that way. Does some people like just... It, it, what I'm not trying to ask, I guess for some people, is that really difficult because they're so used to kind of learning the steps, essentially, what's been given to them and then to be asked to tap into something else? Or, or do people just really love that outlet to do something completely different? Yeah, look, it's different every time. And, you know, quite often I think, oh, I'm asking a lot of them, you know, I'm really asking them to trust me and to be, you know, um, comfortable sharing uh, their whole selves in in a, a space together with each other and then with an audience. But it's really wonderful to to see that come to life when, you know, with a heavily classical repertoire, there might be one contemporary season a year and not often do we get the opportunity to have something created on us, you know, and even when we're, we're doing a contemporary season that was created 10 years ago, you know, you're learning Andrew's spot, you know, you're learning, oh, well, this is how Andrew did it, <laughs> you know. So to have something created on you and go in 10 years' time, you'll be learning the Alice spot, you know, it's really, it's really lovely. Um, and it's also exciting for me, you know, throughout my career with the Australian Ballet, the most exciting parts were having the opportunity to work closely with the choreographer and bring their vision to life, but also how they could get the best out of you, you know, and, and that's always a very palpable, exciting moment in time where you can you can really work out what it is that you sound like and, and how, you know, to really um, permeate the work with that. It, it becomes like a bespoke peace you know and so that that's what I really really love in the studio that kind of space and you know we 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 very much feel like I guess it's an exchange a conversation you know I'll ask them try this you know and it won't work and and it will be an accident and I'll go I like that better I could never have thought of that you know or I'll offer a suggestion and it doesn't work and and then they'll go oh but I could try this you know and that will be the thing that goes into it so you know that conversation it's not like I come in and I go this is what it is do this this is my vision and if you don't if you can't do it you cut you know next <laughs> it's it's not like that it's like like, well, you know, for me, um, sharing happiness might look like a turn and for you it might look like a jump and it would be silly for me to project turns onto you if that's not, you know, joyful for you and that's the emotion we're trying to tap into. Um, and what I will read from the auditorium is the emotion. So if they're doing a jump and that expression comes across and that, 
you know, um, where it sits in their body, then that fits perfectly. And I much prefer that rather than coming in with, you know, I come in with a little tool belt and I try a few little different things, but rather than mapping everything out and not being open to surprises where it's going, I feel um, like that's kind of limiting, you know, the possibilities. It's fair to say, I mean, you've had a really long um, journey with Australian ballet and it's fair to say that I guess a lot of main stage companies historically there's been a higher percentage of male choreographers um, and particularly within classic um, kind of dance and styles of dance, both in Australia and internationally. I guess you mentioned somebody taking a punt on you and giving you that opportunity, but have there been other things that have really helped you develop your skills and confidence and choreographic practice within that as well? Yeah, look, it's it's interesting. I know everyone's journey is different. Um, and I, you know, in my dancing career, I never had the opportunity to work with a female choreographer in my 17 years. So, you know, it's, it's, um, it wasn't something that was just a natural transition for me. It wasn't like I had mentors uh, doing that and I looked at them and said, that's where I'm headed. That's where I'd like to be in 10 years time, you know. So the fact that um, Nicolette Freon and, and David McAllister really took a chance on me and then that planted a seed that I wanted to pursue and then all of those platforms and opportunities to gain experience and confidence were available for me. You know, I was very fortunate that the Body Talk program was a permanent fixture in the repertoire, you know, and that I had the support of, of the company. You know, we we have 80 dancers in the Australian Ballet and, and I was one in, in the core. And so really it was like having, ten, you know, 80 fangirls, <laughs> just, you know, hype girls. They were all like, yeah, go for it. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't like I was without support because we all see and, you know, see each other here and we tour together, we, we, we travel together, we live in the same hotels, we're on the same flights, you know, we're in the dressing rooms, we're on stage together and we really see so much of life together. It's 180 shows a year and so really, you know, they're like a family and they were just incredibly supportive every opportunity I, I had the chance to create. So, you know, all the dances when I worked on them, it was always an interesting dynamic for me to transition from being a swan next to them on stage to then directing them. But everybody, you know, really welcomed that shift and really um, respected my voice and gave me a lot of, you know, generosity in the studio with their time and energy um, and trusted that, you know, I was devoted to making them look good, <laughs> that I wasn't going to put them in, you know, some horrible costume and, and, you know, make them do things they're uncomfortable with. So that was always really, really wonderful to have that support. Um, but yeah, look, I think it's... Um, it's something that I've thought about a lot since since I've been in here and had the opportunity to work with a, a lot of the dancers that, you know, dancers' careers are so short and ephemeral and career transition happens so early in one's life. You know, I, I, I retired when I was 35, so... You know, most people are just hitting their stride in their first career around that time. Um, so, you know, I think... Definitely, uh, you know, being in here now and hopefully, 
you know, all the dancers seeing my journey, you know, it's hopefully opened up the window of opportunity for them and possibilities. They can dwell on the idea of what what could my future look like? You know, it doesn't have to be planned and mapped out. Um, But knowing that, you know, there's a greater focus on um, sort of promoting and celebrating females in the industry, female choreographers, um, female directors and CEOs and leaders, you know, conductors, etc. And, you know, most of the time, I think my journey as a female choreographer was that, you know, a lot of the works I'd done had been all about keeping in line and patterns and timing, um, you know, it was Swan Lake, it was Giselle, it was being, a, you know, a snowflake, a flower, a sylph, and a, a lot of those big sort of group stuff um, doesn't give you the opportunity to have your own interpretation of the movement or your own opinion or your own idea because 24 swans, you can't be, you know, that one out of 24 that's off the music or out of line because you don't want to draw attention for the wrong reasons. So it's never about, oh, but I'm on balance. Look at me, (laughs) you know. Um, So really that voice was never cultivated that much. It was all about being uh, united uh, in unison and, you know, very formatted. And and so if I didn't stand out, it was I was doing my job properly. And so I guess cultivating that, that creative voice of what do I want to sound like and what do I want to feel like, you know, that's a huge thing for dancers and I think particularly females who, you know, don't often have that opportunity for a while in their first early years in the company while they're in the core because a lot of it is about, you know, those works that you are trying to be very much like one body. So there's that. Um, But, you know, those very um, formative years that I was in the company, I had the opportunity to to witness and work with a lot of wonderful choreographers. Um, You know, Wayne McGregor, Alexei Ratmansky, Graham Murphy, Tim Harbour, Stephen Baines, you know, all these incredible people that all approach creating and in a different way. You know, their processes are also different and... You know, I was able to observe how they get the best out of people, how they inspire and and how they develop their concepts and their language. And, and so, you know, I was very lucky to, to be able to essentially shadow these people without really realising that that was sort of, you know, um, I was digesting all that information at the same time. Um, so, you know, we are really lucky that it is a, a creative collective here that we have such wonderful artists coming in and out all the time of the building. But, yeah, definitely I think there needs to be platforms for for young creatives to experiment choreographing without the, you know, great pressure of um, it needs to be good, it needs to be, you know, a winner because it, it takes time to to learn um, and grow into how you sound and how you feel and how to coordinate everything and and only by taking risks and and learning from that and learning from your mistakes and learning what worked that time and and that then informs your next piece and there needs to be opportunities for everyone to to have a go and have a crack you know I guess your first like real experiment had an audience too, which I guess is what you're saying in terms of those stakes. It's like 
actually that opportunity had bums on seats. Yeah, well, in that way, it feels loaded when we say it like that. But, you know, at the time, and, and I think this is probably my security blanket was the fact that the other choreographers were all male principal dancers and they'd all choreographed before and I was in my third year in the core I think so in my mind I was like well they're all principals they're household names people know who they are they've followed them and they've already done a work before whereas people don't know who I am and if it's if it's shit, it will just ride underneath the radar. You know, I felt like very much like a wild card. And and that was the beauty of it, that I didn't feel like it was um, loaded. I, I felt like if it was a non-event, I could just continue going on without, you know, having my head over the chopping board, <laughs> you know. So I guess that gave me the opportunity to feel like I could be mean, have a go without being set up to fail. And because I felt like I could have have a go and then it worked out, you know, that it was received well, then the next time I created, I thought, oh gosh, people know now, people know me, uh, you know, there's pressure, this one, there's expectation, you know, that was the difficulty is, is uh, the expectation. So I think, you know, definitely having the chance to try things, whether it's whether it's an in-house studio development or whether it is, you know, a small showing, whether it's a digital film or, you know, definitely having platforms for, for dancers to experiment and really um, invest in, you know, their sound and, and work out what that looks like. I was wondering, you've got obviously a work in Dance X and then you've got other really big, exciting things coming up. I was wondering if you could share kind of a few things that are happening for you that are going to, I guess, emerge into the world. Yeah, look, it's it's been a very interesting couple of years for all of us, hasn't it? And I think when I transitioned uh, into full-time choreography, it was right on the cusp of COVID and, and it was terrifying because, you know, I'd gone from being a full-time dancer uh, to then not having either careers, you know, I I didn't have any opportunities and I thought, oh, look, I don't, I don't know if this is going to take off. You know, I had a bit of momentum going into it and then, you know, work evaporated for everyone. So it's um it was a couple of years where I, I just didn't know how it was going to play out and I'm incredibly fortunate to, you know, be flooded with opportunities of late. I'm, I'm creating a work at the moment for the Australian Ballet's Instruments of Dance season um, and I'm doing a work for DanceX and I'm also doing a piece for um, the Australian Ballet next year for the 60th anniversary year. I'm also working on a work with WA Ballet. Um, so I've got a lot in the pipeline, which is really, really exciting. And just having the opportunity to share a studio together again and be in a creative space, you know, I think it's, we've all realised just how hopefully everyone has realised how valuable the arts are to everybody, you know, to the fabric and, and culture. You know, we, we've been here in in so many lockdowns and and it's been uh, very stifling for for many people so to be able to have curtains up you know on musicals on orchestras and theatres again you know really looking forward to having people embrace the arts again yeah could we talk a little bit more about the pieces you're creating for Australian Ballet like what 
what they are? Can you give us a little uh, taste maybe? Yeah, absolutely. So next year's um, work for the 60th anniversary is a celebration for for the company, really. The work I'm going to be creating will have um, some former icons and masters of the company return um, and really have the opportunity to create a work that will be um, multi-generational, you know, to have have some of these former um, leaders of the company come in to share their, you know, their wisdom and their storytelling of their time in the company with the younger artists and to really sort of cross-pollinate the generations um, that we've had here will be really exciting. So it'll be an hour-long work um, and that will be premiering in May next year. Um, the work I'm doing for Dance X will be a duet, just a short duet on on a, a gorgeous couple in the company um, and I'm really looking forward to being a part of that program. I'm, it's been years in the making and to have such, you know, extraordinary um, companies come together in the same space and to share, share, you know, that energy with, with each other will be a beautiful exchange. I think we've got three programs and, and um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be very special for um, the companies to all have all the other companies in this state together. So we, you know, we feed off that, you know, having different disciplines in and, and um, reconnecting with the greater dance landscape, you know, whilst we've been isolated for the past few years, it's it's wonderful to, to have them all on our doorstep. Um, so that'll be very exciting. And the work I'm creating for Instruments of Dance at the moment it's an interesting one. Um, the work is called Annealing and really what I wanted to do was relook at how we perceive strength. I think, you know, um, in in the past few years, you know, we've, we've been under a lot of duress and I think uh, strength, we have an idea that it looks like something unshakable, unflappable, indestructible, you know, and we've all had to really lean into being uncomfortable, you know, the past few years. And, and it made me look at the way that um, strength can be perceived and particularly in dances, you know, we... We are athletic people, but we are also very sensitive and I really love the idea of dismantling that, you know, ballet, you know, ballerinas need to look a certain way and ballet, you know, uh, what do we call um, male dancers, ballerinos, (laughs) Um, that they all need to, you know, look a certain way and I feel like that really needs to be sort of deconstructed you know where we all have the ability to be athletic and soft and strong and masculine and feminine and I think quite often you know I've had conversations where guys have just said oh you know I'm just a a human crane I'm stuck behind the women lifting them you know and where the women are uh, needing to constantly be you know, ethereal or soft or waif-like, you know, we're fairies, we're snowflakes, you know, and only when we can get really, um, I guess, uh, not not uh, aggressively athletic, but, you know, a bit of grunt and power into our, into our force and bodies, you know, can be during contemporary seasons. Um, so I really love the idea that, you know, we can kind of dispel that and dismantle that. I mean, 
ballet is such a difficult discipline. You know, it's hard work. It's it's hard on the bodies. It's hard mentally and emotionally. Um, you've got to be very headstrong. And, you know, there's so much pressure that comes with it as well, mentally and physically. And, you know, quite often we were on stage on point making things look effortless, you know, and I've always said it's not like we can be tennis players and grunt every time we do Swan Lake, even though I, I would like to be able to do that. Um, you know, it would be really wonderful if we could celebrate, you know, the the fact that we we are doing things that are incredibly um tough and yet we make them look easy and so to be able to go hey you know get on stage and be real and show the work and also don't feel like you are anchored to a label that you need to be this way to be a ballet dancer that you can be you you can be tall you can be short and not be the tall dancer or the short dancer or you know you can get on stage and be you without having to fit a stereotype so the work is really about smashing stereotypes. It's um, talking about ballet evolving, you know, there's, if you say ballet, there's a definite aesthetic and behaviour that comes to mind. And, you know, it doesn't look like that for everyone. And I think that is also about the connection we were talking about is we are people, we're not, you know, mannequins, we're not robots, we're not, you know, ballet isn't for the elite. We're, we're all people that have pets and, and walk the dogs in the morning and get burgers on a Friday night, you know, like we're all humans. Um, but I think, you know, there's this idea that ballet looks and behaves a certain way and it can be pretty unforgiving at times that stereotype and and really it doesn't look like that for everyone and I'd like for people to be able to take a look at what it, you know rewrite these sort of things that they expect you know these misconceptions and ideals you know when you enter the theatre you know having the idea that, you know, the man's going to be lifting the woman the whole time and, and that's what it's going to be like and the woman's going to be in, you know, sequins and that's how it's going to roll out. But I'm really enjoying having the men wearing skirts in the studio, you know, they're loving it. Um, and I've had the most wonderful experience, you know, when I started doing this work where one of the, the guys, that beautiful guys I'm working with put on the dress and said this is the first time a costume has made sense for me on my body and it was really um eye-opening for me you know to have to have that conversation of gosh you know we're we're we get to wear all the fun stuff and you get you know a beige pair of tights and some sort of vest and puffy velvet sleeve up the back and you're meant to feel fabulous you know so it's been really lovely to to say hey you know ladies have a bit of grunt make some noise you know make noise with your point shoes I want to actually amplify them I want to mic them I don't want it to be don't bash them and eliminate the sound I want you to be making the noise this is the reality you know and there's a real beauty to the reality it's it's um it's a beautiful sound hearing point shoes on Tarquette and yet it's always like break the fall don't make any noise when you're jumping <laughs> so this is really a little bit like breaking down what what we we expect and I'm excited about where that could lead to. 
Thanks for listening. You can find a list of episode notes and links on delvingintodance.com, where you can also find a large archive of previous episodes, including Raphael Bonicella, Meryl Tankard, David McAllister, Stephanie Lake, and many more. This special season has been supported by the Australian Ballet for the Dance X season taking place in Melbourne, Australia from the 20th of October to the 1st of November 2022. I hope you get a chance to check it out. Until next time, take care.